Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. And we have another day in the nation's capital trying to survive the incredible sounds of the news every day. You can't help it here. When you're in D.C., it's like it's just hovering in the atmosphere. It's hovering in the air. It's everywhere. Like you really wish that the roses would just bloom in the minds of everyone. However, we do know that when you're birthing something new or birthing a child, it's always quite painful. So we are observing what is it that's emerging from all of this rhetoric that we are getting very accustomed to hearing every day. You know, this natural vibe of um, just waking up and hearing something optimistic or something good. It's like you can't wait to hear what next, what what happened. And many of us are are deciding to kind of turn the news off. But then for those of us who have to be um, updated and aware of what's going on around us, there's a way that we have to learn to sift out the emotional baggage that's coming in the energy of um, the news. And so I hope you're doing well and hanging in there and living a life of truth, being grateful about what you've got and being inspired about the good people that you have in your life and the good people that will be coming in your life and the good people that actually join us on the show, such as our next guest, Max Max, you're going to have to let me know if your name is Tuki or Tucci, which I think it is. Max is an inspirational thinker and speaker, and just like his famous culinary family, loves to cook and entertain. He regularly appears online for entertaining, cooking, and food segments on ehow.com and about.com. Max is known as a featured lifestyle expert on America's Next Top Model. His radio show, Max and Friends on L.A. Talk Radio, has been on air for over eight years with many prominent guests. He's a correspondent for I in South Florida and writes inspirational blogs for Lay Black Incorporated. Max is also an avid philanthropist and has raised millions of dollars for charities throughout the United States. Love that about him. He is on the board of directors for the Lehman Center for the Performing Arts, was awarded the Young Leadership and Philanthropy Award by the American Diabetes Association, and has been honored by a number of organizations for his charitable work around the globe. He's the author of Oscars, Del Monico, A Historic Epicurean Journey, and today we welcome Max to the air. Max, help me with your last name. Tucci, right? <laughs> Namaste, and yes. <laughs> like Namaste the designer you. Gucci. <laughs> like That's the designer what I Gucci, thought. I am Tucci. <laughs> That's what I thought, because Gucci was my all-time favorite, and I went, he's got to be close to like some Gucci Tucci, right? So welcome to the exactly. air. It's so nice to have you, a native Floridian, and yeah, I, I was raised in Miami, actually, and I used to own a nightclub on Washington Boulevard called The Globe back in the days, like 25 years ago, <laughs> FYI, before South Beach <laughs> became what South Beach is today. I was way ahead of you guys. <laughs> and I know the energy in South Florida is so different than in Washington, D.C. You know, you're open, you're out, it's about friends, it's about family. And yet at the same token, do you find that it might be challenging to bump into really authentic friends, people who are genuinely who they claim to be inside out? I mean, is that an important criteria in your friendships? Yeah. You know, an important criteria in my friendships is exactly that, authenticity. Be who you are. And, you know, I think Florida, in general, the United States, you know, we're just a group of of energy of people who, 
gathered here on this earth, on this land, no matter where it is. And I think um, Florida has the, the vibe of gyp setters, gypsies and jet setters. So people are always coming and going. <laughs> so I think to find a solid friend that is someone who lives also in this area, not just during the season, is difficult. But, you know, I'm originally from New York. I was born and raised in New York. I grew up in Italy, and I moved down to Florida seven years ago. And um, the reason I moved to Florida was I was at my home in Connecticut, and it was that moment of surrender, just believing that my next steps were ordered. And wherever they led me to go was where I would be. <laughs> and mm. that happened to be Florida. And so mm. I accepted the, um, the push from the divine, and I left. And I left New York, Connecticut, my family, my friends, my roots, and I came to Florida. And literally within the three months that I was here, I started a relationship. I'm now still in it seven years later. And the opportunities, because I was a New Yorker, <laughs> were endless. So Florida has given me the contentment that uh, I think big cities didn't offer me. You know, I was... I, they mm -hmm. say that you're either a big fish in a little pond or a little fish in a big pond. Right, and, you know, right. I don't I like that. to say that I'm either. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's many ponds and many sized fish. But here I was able to shine on a little bit brighter. And mm -hmm. so um, I'm very happy being in, in the sunshine state. <laughs> so let's talk about what you said earlier on, that you felt that your next steps were ordered. What do you mean by that? You know, I believe in destiny. I believe that we are the creators of our destiny. I believe that if we can create it in our mind, we can hold it in our hand. I believe if we create our destiny and we create our reality, it will unfold naturally. You know, when a flower grows, nobody tells it how to grow. It just grows, it right. blooms, it flourishes, and then it dies, and it recycles, it recycles, recycles. It keeps happening. So for mm, me, my steps are ordered means to me that, I've accepted this life. I'm here. I'm living it. And am I going to just sit and, and wallow in sorrow or sit and be discontent or sit and, and just not observe everything life has to offer and be a part of it? So when I say that my steps are ordered, all of ours are. We are all here to experience this beautiful thing called life. Of course, things mm -hmm. happen along the way where the shift may happen where we we, we get off of the path, but knowing that wherever we are in that moment is exactly where we're supposed to be. And so for me, that's what the steps are ordered means. You know, there's a lot of, of religious connotation over that phrase, but the spiritual definition to me is allowing yourself to be where you are in that moment and knowing you're supposed to be there. Now, you know, we are looking a lot at a life of surrender. And what I mean by that is mm. sometimes you put a lot of energy in something and it's just not manifesting into what you expected it to be. And you have to let it go. You have to surrender. And sometimes letting go and surrender, and maybe there's that very staunch, stereotypical Catholic, you know, kind of impression in our awareness, like surrendering <laughs> is supposed to feel like repentance and hell. And mm. if you don't suffer in giving that up, you really are not going to get anywhere. But you talk about the joy of surrendering and that there's really a great sense of relief and happiness when you really decide to let it all go and 
to surrender to even what you might not even know you're surrendering to. Can you share with our listeners a little bit more about that deeper part of the work that you've been doing inside of you? Well, to me, the joy of surrendering. And I think, you know, it's true. When we, when we have patterns in pathology of what religion has taught us throughout the, the centuries, we look at surrendering as something that has to mean suffering. And to me, there's, not, there's a joy to surrendering. To me, surrendering, the image of surrendering, is lifting your hands in the air and just allowing yourself to be one with the divine, one with the earth, one, and celebrating the fact that trusting the divine is what surrendering is. And so for me, there's a joy in surrendering because I know that everything that I have thought or everything that has brought me to that moment, it's all good. Everything is just where I'm supposed to be. And the surrendering of joy, of laughter, sometimes the unknown is a lot of fun. (laughs) We have to celebrate that. You know, and I think when we're in, in suffering is because we don't allow ourselves to daydream. Mm. And we stop ourselves and we're shut. We're shut off from our daydreaming, from creating. And surrendering is allowing yourself to let the divine work through you to create and manifest. So there's a joy in surrendering because the surrendering at the end is ultimately really living and just trusting and allowing and going with the flow and allowing the shift to take place. So there's really a joy in surrendering for myself. And I understand, mm. you know, people go through so many things in life, but then what happens is that becomes their story instead of surrendering to rewrite a new chapter or surrendering for a new chapter or surrendering for a whole new book. We have volumes of books inside of us. Each of us have stories. And when we neglect to surrender, we become stuck in the same chapter. So surrendering is turning the page. Surrendering is turning the page. Surrendering is turning the page. Love that. Love that. Thank you. Congratulations on your book, Oscars del Monico, which takes yes. a culinary journey back to the 1800s. Could you let me know more about what did they used to eat in the 1800s? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> the same thing we eat today, just not modified. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm sure you know, there was no, I'm sure there was organic meat back in those days. Everything. Even though I'm a vegetarian, <laughs> there was organic and farm to table was not was not a concept. It was a lifestyle. You see, mm. the reality of Delmonico's getting to the genesis of Delmonico's and what you had said earlier, surrendering and things not going really the way we we plan them to go. This book has been literally about 12 years in the making for myself and for my family, probably about 70 or 80 years in the making. But, you know, when, and that's the surrender for the book happened actually just recently because I wanted so many different publishers that I always thought were the right ones for the book. And manifesting them happened. The one publisher that I really wanted happened. We went there, but then there were some contingencies. So clarity was a little bit foggy, but the, the point with surrendering this book and allowing it to manifest is still happening. And the book goes back to the 1800s. Delmonico's was the first fine dining restaurant in the United States. And my grandfather, 1926, always was in love with the building Delmonico's downtown on Beaver and South William Street. He loved that building. He purchased that building. He resurrected 
the, the past. He resurrected the ancestry of Delmonico's and recreated the most glamorous restaurant in American history from the 1920s mm. until the 1980s when my family had it. The restaurant is still thriving today. It's downtown. We have a wonderful relationship. What they're bringing to the now and what I'm able to bring with my knowledge of the history of America's First Fine Dining is, is, is there's, a fun, there's a really fun aspect to it. So Delmonico's created, my grandfather in the 1930s created the wedge salad. Prior to that, there was Eggs Benedict, Lobster Newburgh, um, Baked Alaska, the Delmonico steak. So there's been so many dishes that have been created, obviously, at the first fine dining restaurant. It was also the first restaurant that allowed women to dine unaccompanied by men. It was the first restaurant to hire women. It was the first restaurant to have the ticker tape so that you knew what was happening at the stock market. So there's a rich history to Delmonico's. And the book that I'm working on now is one that will celebrate the unknown era, the Tucci era, my grandfather's era, because all of that has been kept in a vault and I'm now ready to share that. So it's it's quite a journey, mm-hmm. this Epicurean historical journey. Wow, I can only imagine. And do you advocate also like vegetarianism and, and the vegan? It's a big thing nowadays. Absolutely. And for me, I'm no longer in the restaurant industry. You know, I mm-hmm. am, I'm in radio and television. But for me, for the fact that my grandfather created the wedge salad, which I think is one of the most famous salads now served all over the world. He, back in the 1930s, went to a farm, and they had the lettuce, they had the fresh tomatoes, and he said, I want to do something with this. I want to create something. Meanwhile, keep in mind, the 30s, we were just going through the, um, the through prohibition, Depression a recession, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Exactly. All of this was happening. So he needed to glamorize lettuce. After all, this was a very glamorous <laughs> restaurant. So he created the wedge salad. So I think that despite the fact that Delmonico's is known as a steakhouse, my grandfather wanted to offer more to, and this is in the 1930s, to people who didn't really eat steak or who weren't into, into meat. So the fact that a salad was born at a steakhouse, I think, uh, is quite a fascinating story. I love it. I think it's amazing. I love that. Because I'm a big, big vegetarian, and yet I do honor all of my friends who are still uh, devouring a a little cow out there. The other day I was at a dinner with a whole bunch of us together, and two of my very close friends who do a lot in D.C., they were talking about peace and global peace and the political state and, and how important it is. And then they had a slab of steak on their plate. And I looked at them and I go, why are you talking about peace and you're hurting an animal? And they just, they just looked at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, we're friends. And so right. you know, we all know that we don't try to push each other's agendas on right. each other. But it was just so interesting how I couldn't hold it back. But because you were mm. friends... We can be who we are. And your radio show, Max and Friends, uh, it's in its eighth year. Hasn't it been perhaps one of the most life-enriching experiences doing radio? You know, I radio for me is a platform of, it is a platform mm-hmm. of purpose. It is a platform of passion. I love Max and Friends. I'm actually now in my ninth year, which we celebrated on May 4th. So for me, radio was something that I never knew anything about. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how it was going to get done. I just know that I had. And I think really that's when we are our most creative, when we don't know what's going to happen or we don't know how we're going to achieve it. 
but we have the passion to do it. And so nine years uh, is the testament of me not knowing what I was doing, but being able to sit in front of a microphone and just being present and welcoming friends. You know, the first time we say, the first time on Max and Friends, you're a friend. The second time, you're family. So for me, mm. Max and Friends, the show actually started, uh, it was called To the Max. And To the Max was a lifestyle show. It was a really super show. It was over the top. But the reality of the shift in this planet uh, was that Max and Friends, like everything else, had to come to an end at one point because uh, we had the whole Bernie Madoff scandal. So mm-hmm. lifestyle and that whole aspect of abundance and almost grotesqueness <laughs> came to an end. Mm-hmm. And then wow. the owner of the network said, listen, we love you. You're great. What can we do to keep you going? So I said, well, if Oprah can have friends, so can Max. And that's how Max and Friends was born. And what I wow. did then was shift the show into bringing people, I want to introduce you to newsmakers, to inspirational people, to everyday people, to celebrities, whoever they may be, they all have a story and they're all inspiring. And actually that radio show, years later, um, transitioned into a television show in South Florida called Eye on the People with Max Tucci. So oh, again, fantastic. following, yeah, so following the passion and the heart virtue, I think, will bring you to, to a place of joy and bliss, which it has done with. So it's my, it's, Max and Friends is my baby. <laughs> it's my baby. Yeah, I know it's like the hobby, the heart, the the the, the beat in many ways. Um, on our AM radio show, we host a retreat for our guests every year, and I can't begin to tell you the experience that everybody comes back with because we so are mindful at who we choose to have on the air, and so mm. when we take care of them for a retreat to power them up, because so many of the guests are are servers like you. You're doing a lot. You are a philanthropist. You're living your passion. You've been stable in a relationship for seven or eight years. Um, life is moving for you. You love something about you. You love something mm. about you. And I would say that perhaps you're also pulling that energy above to keep you on track with what is real for you. You've gotten mm. awards. You've been recognized for your philanthropic work. Why is it so important for you to have a life that keeps giving back? Because I know many, many affluent people in the world, especially in D.C. They're in a lot of positions of power. I can tell you right now, I don't think anyone has even donated to the radio shore to our museums. We, We have two meditation museums that serves the community. And I'll tell you the fact, I don't think one of them have ever just said, oh, I want to support the museum with the work that it's Mm. doing. But there are some people who just naturally care about something good. What Mm -hmm. is it that's speaking to you inside that seems to be telling you, Max, you've got to give more than you're taking? Mm. Well, for me, you know, I grew up in a family that always gave back. I have an ancestry of philanthropists. And um, so for me, I believe it's already in my DNA. Now, with that said, I've been involved in this philanthropy world since I'm 13 years old. My mother really uh, put me involved in it, got me involved in it with uh, the Montefiore Children's Hospital in the Bronx. And then from there, it just escalated into where I am today. But I think the reality of knowing that we don't have to give, that's just you know what the reality of, of people's lives. People think they don't have to give. So with that said, as at a young age, I always wanted to give more because I knew there were people that were going to give less. 
Like so that. I feel it was my responsibility, and it was a big one to take on, to say, okay, we know that people aren't going to give, and that's okay. I appreciate them from who they are. So if they're not going to do it, let me fill those shoes and do it myself because it's mm-hmm. going to get done. It might not get done by them or in general. Things will get done in life, but who is the person that's going to get them done? And that was me mm-hmm. <laughs> for philanthropy. And I wanted Beautiful. to give back. And I felt the reality of everything, too, is I want to die empty. I don't want to take anything with, you know, I just want to die empty. I want to give as much as I can. You know, there's that beautiful cycle of life. And when you give, you receive. And I don't give to receive. You know, it just happens, again, naturally. There's a beautiful flow. And there's the the law of for every action, there's a reaction. So for me to be able to get involved with charities and get involved with giving back, I love seeing, and this is really one of my joys in being able to give is to see the reaction of those that I have given to. And when mm. somebody can smile and come to me and say, thank you, thank you, from their heart, thank you, I'm able mm. to have the most amount of, you know, it's, I become almost levitating. I float because someone's right. life was changed because of a decision that I made to give of my time, of myself, of my resources, and that is really, that is God's smile. That is God's smile. Mm, that's God smiling on you. Have you ever had some down moments, and when you did, what was it that was your tool to kind of get you out of it? Well, you see, my mother was born in Lithuania, and she escaped mm. the war and lived with my grandparents in a displaced person camp for five years. So being told those generational stories and the stories of my lineage and of my family and of my ancestors, no matter what we're going through, And that's the key word. We're going through it. We're not in it. We're going through it. My mother went through this thing as a child, as a baby. She was in the arms of her mother. Bombs were dropping. They were in displaced person camps for five years. And they went through it and they made it to this country. So I always reflect on that, knowing that I'm going through this. And yes, there are dark moments, if we want to call them dark moments, or moments that aren't linked up to where we can shine on. But even in the darkness, even in the clouds, the sun is still shining. And to me, that is the most important thing is that knowing that we are here to always shine on. Yes, we will go through things and yes, we will have moments of discomfort. The reality for me is that even through the discomfort, we learn. No experience is ever wasted. We learn. And what am I learning in this situation that will pull me up? pull me out, make me stand, put my shoulders back, look at life in the eye and say, I'm here. I'm Mm. here. So for me, everything we go through is just the process of learning who we are and our strength and realizing that we were not built to break. Oh, I like that. We were not built to break. It's true. We're really built to go through things, not get stuck in things. Yeah. And if we were to get stuck in something, that means we would die there. So in the reality mm-hmm. of, the, of the journey, if that's your moment of passing in that stuck, in that moment of being stuck, you've completed your life. But for those who mm-hmm. keep going, because your life isn't over, you have things to do. So you're not stuck. Stuck to me is, you know, when a car gets stuck in the mud, we have to push it and pull it and call someone to a tow truck to pull it out. 
and, you know, we get invested in, in trying to get this cars out of being stuck. But yet we don't do that with ourselves. We don't call on friends. We don't call on the tow truck. We don't get friends to help push us out. You know, we do more for our cars than we do for ourselves. We get the oil right. changed. We fill the car with gas. We, whatever happens to the car, we get a fix. If there's a dent, we get a fix. But with us, when do we take that moment to meditate, to fill ourselves up with gas of life? When do we have an issue where we say to our friend, pick up the phone, listen, I'm stuck right now. Would you mind coming to help and push me out and push me up and help me get out of this? But I guarantee you if a car is stuck in the mud, the first person will call is, hey, our car got stuck. Help me get it out. But sometimes we need to pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm stuck. You want to help me get out of this? So we have yeah, to have the courage to, to reach out. It's true. It's true. And I think sometimes the ego stops us from showing our vulnerable side because too often we tend to show an image to people that we think they need to see, but in reality it's not where we are. And deep conflict of interest with the self. Right. And the reality is our friends know who we are. So no matter exactly. how we dress or what we perceive ourselves to be, a real friend, someone who knows your heart, can see past all of that. <laughs> so the facade really is just, you know, to entertain, I believe. And, you know, the ego, I love the ego. To me, there's two aspects of it. It's the one that knows who we are without being arrogant and the one that says, I'm good at this. I can do this. And then there's the ego that tries to suffocate others, that says, I'm better than you. So really, when we have to put these, the, the duality of ego on the scales, we have the one that, that is able to pick up the phone and say, I need you. I need you. So really tapping into an ego, but not a one that, that damages people or that hurts people, one that says, I need you for myself. If there's a responsibility to taking care of ourselves and reaching out to others, if we can't do it on our own. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Well, what is on your horizon? What's next for Hex? <laughs> well, right now I'm sipping my tea and enjoying this moment, and I'm so grateful to be here with you. So th I really am thankful. So thank you for having me here. You know, as far as plans for Max, you know, this was something I had a calendar back when I was living in New York that I look back on it and it astonishes me how everything was in order and every day had a time. And it is, I live right now. You know, the shift that I had was I live right now. Yes, things are on the calendar and I plan for things, and, but I'm also open to the shift. I'm also open to sometimes things don't work out or sometimes if it's on the calendar it might not work out, and that's okay. So for me, I really love being present right now and enjoying this moment as far as things that I have um, – that are on schedule for me. One is continuing the radio show and booking new guests. The other is uh, getting a publisher for the book. And then uh, we're doing a, a room at the restaurant at Delmonico's to honor my grandfather. So those are a couple of things that are on the calendar for me. And then also I'm doing a big charity event for the Unicorn Children's Foundation for children with neurodiversities and special needs. But the reality of my life is I really live in the moment and I travel a lot. And I'm really in this space where I can journey and just go when I want. It's the, I'm the butterfly. <laughs> I'm the social mm. butterfly. You know, I love being social. I love having my freedom. And that's, uh, that's what I do. When I'm in a place, you know, I have a couple of homes. 
and the reason why I say that is not to boast about them, but to say that I'm in a place right now where my home in Florida is fantastic. I love the ocean. I love the trees. I love the beach. But sometimes I have to go to the mountain. And mm. Colorado has become that place for me. And I love being in the place where I can sit on top of the rock. I call it my altar. <laughs> I sit on top of this rock in the middle of the Rocky Mountains in, in Colorado, in the Roosevelt National Forest. And I could feel that I touched the heavens and that I could see past the earth. So for me, it's always being wherever I am at that moment and enjoying it. So that's really what's on my, my plate is being in the moment. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to have to come and visit you for you to teach me how to do that. It's already within <laughs> you. you know, and that's know. the thing. With me, it's uh-huh. within all of us. And for, you, for some people, they don't need to have a house in Colorado and a house in Florida. What is inside right. of you? What is your heart virtue? What brings you joy? What brings you bliss? For some, being bliss might be in a small room contained by themselves, having everything around them shut out. I know a lot of people who would love that, especially in a hectic world. They would love to just be in one room. So for me, is identifying your heart virtue. And to me, I think one of the easiest ways, Tamara uh, Bowman, who is a guest on Max and Friends, taught me this years ago about heart virtues. And whatever it is that gives you chills or that makes your eyes want to weep, that's a heart virtue. So when I got to Colorado and I stood on that rock, I had chills and I literally began to weep. I said, no, this is it. So, and that's for everything I do in life. The the intuition is the chills and something that is going to make you weep in in the sense of happiness is our heart virtue. So whatever it is inside of any of us, just tap into and be aware of how your body reacts to the situation. And I promise you that that's how you'll be able to do whatever it is you desire in life. I love that. So, Max, tell me, how do our listeners get a hold of tuning into your amazing radio show and any updates in which you would like them to know about? Well, one update is that I would love to have you on my show, so we'll make that happen. It's already happened. Wonderful. (laughs) So we'll just make that work. But Max and Friends airs every Sunday night on L.A. Talk Radio. And if you're international, we have Gordana Birnat, who we're both – she's my soul sister. Mm -hmm. I love Gordana. love her. And Gordana is on Max and Friends all the time. So we really have an international platform. Max and Friends, they are Sunday night, L.A. Talk Radio. You can go to latalkradio.com, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Pacific Time. And if for whatever reason life happened and you missed the show, you can go to latalkradio.com backslash max. And there we have over nine years of, of archives of shows. And then we have an app. The app is free. And it's fun and it's easy to use, the L.A. Talk Radio app. And there you can hear not only my show but the Mother Love show and, oh, about 80 other shows on the network. So we're very, very, very um, easy to listen to at L.A. Talk Radio. And also for people who would like to join me in this, in this world of um, social media, you can tweet me at Max Tucci, M-A-X-T-U-C-C-I, and email me. I love getting emails, max at maxtucci.com. Oh, beautiful. Max, thank you so much, and many, many good wishes with everything that you decide to be called to. Thank you, and I appreciate you. And before I go, I just want all of your listeners to know that all of our lives are big. We have to keep reaching and shine on. There you go. Love it. Great way to end the talk. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Namaste, (laughs) and have a blessed day. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Ciao. What a wonderful energy and spirit that Max exuded in our conversation today. And I think this is what I love when he uh, mentioned about, you know, his next step was ordering him. You know, there was an order to his next step, which we have to fulfill. We have to feel this internal call that's taking us to our next destination because staying where you've always been might not always be what's best for you because energy always moves. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Max. Do get a hold of him at LA Talk Radio and listen to his show with Max and Friends. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we want to thank Arco Iris Fountain for underwriting today's conversation and much more. So we're going to end with their message of the day and also a beautiful song by Lucinda Drayton. Take care, everyone. ...and cemeteries or wherever they can find shelter. They eat whatever they can find, steal or beg. Father Joseph Maria Neuenhofer, a German priest, has dedicated his entire life in helping these children. For the last 23 years, Foundation Arco Irish, founded and led by Father Neuenhofer, has helped thousands of these children in providing shelter, food, education, and medical care through the Foundation's hospital. For more information and to donate to Foundation Arco Iris, go to www.arcoirisamerica.org. 31 years, Brahma Kumaris in the United States has been transforming lives. This summer, Brahma Kumaris is honored to host Sister Shivani, June 20th through July 9th on her first ever North American tour, where she will share her simple wisdom and meditation style in 14 cities. An engineer by profession, Sister Shivani presents a logical yet comfortable way of adopting spirituality. The tour includes Great Neck, New York, Westchester, New York, Edison, New Jersey, Toronto and Brampton, Ontario, Dayton, Ohio, Detroit, Michigan, Chicago, Illinois, Washington, D.C., Boston, Massachusetts, Danbury, Connecticut, Tampa, and Orlando, Florida. With a grand finale at Peace Village, the Brahmakumaris Retreat Center in the breathtaking Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. Looking forward to meeting each one of you who has become a part of the beautiful Awakening family. Don't miss this special event. Tickets are free. Register now at bkawakening2017.org.
dear friends, let us welcome the beloved Sister Gita as she reads us one of her very special readings because her voice and her energy is really what serves our spirit. Sister Gita? A beautiful day to all of us. Om Shanti. Thought for today. What was the future happens now. What happens now becomes the past. So why worry? If I am impatient to experience the results of my efforts, it is like trying to eat unripe fruit. The one who can adjust with humility possesses much greatness. An honest individual is satisfied with himself as much as others are satisfied with him. The only solution to the most difficult problems in society, the country, and world today is character. If character is lost, no prestige remains. The two greatest healers are the Supreme, the Divine, and God, and time. When you are angry, a great deal of energy is used up and wasted. Use energy wisely. A simple way to remove fear is to seek knowledge and understanding. If wealth is lost, nothing is lost. If health is lost, something is lost. If character is lost, all is lost. The Supreme God, the highest, has a broad back. If you have burden, let him take it from you. Peace is so hard to find. Why? Because it's under your nose. When you get angry, you lose more than your temper. You cannot make a fool of the one who keeps cool. Real temperature control is to extinguish the heat of anger within, knowing that deep within what lies in each and every one of us are the qualities of purity, peace, love, joy. That is your truth. Have a grand contemplative day. Om.
相见。